Hello, and welcome to our special Veterans Day Cambridge Stronger podcast episode. I'm your host, Amy Weber, CEO of Cambridge and host of Cambridge Stronger, a podcast where culture counts and values matter most. At Cambridge, we are truly grateful for all of the individuals who have and currently do serve this country. It has often been said that freedom isn't free, and we certainly do not take our veterans for granted here at Cambridge. To show our appreciation, we teamed up with our Diversity, Equality, and Inclusion Committee and Advisory Council to spotlight a veteran Cambridge financial professional. Joining me now is Andy Pike, founder and CEO of Quo Vadas Financial. Thank you for joining me, Andy. So before we jump into any questions, I do want to say thank you for your service. You served as a Chief Master Sergeant in the United States Air Force for 26 years. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It was a great, great career. I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we proceed in this podcast. That's really admirable. And on behalf of all of us here at Cambridge, thank you. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. So let's jump in. And my favorite part of my podcast, honestly, are the beginnings because I love to hear everybody's journey into this admirable business that we do. Everybody's got their own direction that they come at it from. Talk about your journey and how you became interested in this business following your military career, Andy. So I started as an investor at a company uh, when I was a young uh, E5. I was about 26 years old and I was approached uh, by a friend, referred by a friend, and I started uh, my financial journey then. Years progressed. Uh, fast forward to my retirement from the Air Force. I had to figure out what I wanted to do. And a guy from that company came for a visit and he was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't really know. And then he said, I think you'd be great at this. So long story short, went through the testing process and all that stuff. So I was there and I figured it was a great way because as a senior non-commissioned officer, your job is really taking care of people. Um, and becoming an advisor to me was really just another way to take care of them, not just their career, but now their lifelong finances and, and things like that. Uh, that company, you'll know a couple of my friends because you've actually interviewed them on your podcast. One was Monty Ferguson. And the other is, is Parker Consul, who is a titan in, in my mind. Titan. Parker is just an amazing, amazing man. So, and then I came to Cambridge after uh, eight years in 2010. So. So you began investing in your 20s. How does that work in the military? Do they bring financial professionals to you or how do they find you? How does that, how does that process they, work? They used to. They never talked about it when I was a young, young NCO. There was a, a guy that I, my wife worked with him, with his wife. They were clients because they really, that company started out officer only. And I was actually one of the first NCOs that they let in. You had to be an E5 uh, and that kind of stuff. And you had to kind of sign up to say, hey, I'm not going to stop doing this and, and things like that. Uh, it was really just about getting started. Now it's an investment product that they don't sell anymore uh, and things like that. But it was the basics. It was get investments, get some life insurance, get some savings. And then just let all that go. And one day you'll wake up and you'll be, you know, in a really good position. Yeah. I started uh, investing $25 a paycheck back in the late 80s. My first job, I was not even 20 yet. And um, I still have that my account today. I've never touched it. You know, I, good for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. It, it makes a difference if we can get there, get the young people's attention. And, and like you yep. and I, somebody. Yep. And that's for me, for me, one of the, one of the, things I absolutely love is getting these young folks, getting them started. And so I'm a Dave Ramsey, smart investor pro also. 
and I get these young 19, 20, 21 year olds that are really, really focused and want to get started. And I even joke with them because I'm, you know, I'm 63. It's like, I'm not even going to be here when you retire. But if I get you on the path and you stay on this path, you're going to have a financial legacy that's going to be amazing. So that's very, that's very cool. So let's take a step backwards and start, you know, maybe not at the beginning, not when you were born, but talk to us about the time in the military and what kind of lessons might, the thing I love the most about talking to people that started their lives in some other segment um, is how skills can be transferable. Things that you learn along the way transfer into this career that we all um, know and love now. So what kind of lessons and skills transferred to the business you've built today from the military? There are a lot. I can just rattle them off and then talk about one or two. Um, discipline, hard work, uh, dedication, do what you say you're going to do. That's kind of part of the integrity thing. Um, and never quit. That's always been the big thing for, for me is, is you just keep going. Even when times get hard, that's when you got to dig in more, right? Because we go through valleys, we're on the mountaintop. Uh, and when we're in the valleys, it's not really fun. Uh, I just had a big email hack that's driving me crazy. Um, but thanks to the Cambridge team and, and all that stuff, we're working through it. So it's, you know, it's not the end of the world, but you can't just give up. You just got to keep pressing through. And if you know you're doing the right thing for people, uh, it's always going to work out. It's always going to work out. So uh, it really is. It's those things. It's, it's just do your best. Uh, do what you say you're going to do uh, and just stay on that focus and everything, everything comes through all that. I think. So did it come naturally? Did some of those things come naturally to you as you entered the military or did they have to uh, teach you? <laughs> they did. No, that's part of my bio. I put in there that every assignment I had one person who kind of got a hold of me. Um, there's a term I can't use on a podcast, but um, that they just got a hold of me and said, look, you're screwing this up. When I was young, when I was young, there were two times when I was young that I should have gotten kicked out of the Air Force and I didn't because of these guys, because um, they saw potential. And so, uh, no, it's learned. Some people might have it, some of those things inherently. Uh, I didn't, I didn't. I was a young, dumb 18 year old kid that thought I was smarter than everybody and obviously wasn't. But thankfully I had these, these, these men who came alongside and just really kind of just said, look, you can do better. You know, you can do better, go do better. Doesn't feel good at the time, but boy, it does benefit us later, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's all worth it. Because I even use those lessons with young troops as they came up behind me. I like that question. Oh, you made me laugh because it was like, yeah, no, it wasn't that way in the very beginning. Hey, I think those of us that have to learn the hard way, probably, you know, the, the skills and the lessons are really, really deeply embedded. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Yep, for sure. So let's talk a little bit more about your business. Um, I'm fascinated by the name that you chose for your business. I believe it's Quo Vadis, translated from Latin. We believe that means, where are you going? So talk about that. What? Why did you choose that to represent your business? What does that mean to you? It's obviously something special. Quo Vadis comes out of the Bible. So as a man of faith, now I had a business partner at the time. He and I worked on this together. He kind of came up with it, but um, it really fits because it, it comes out of the Bible. The apostle Peter was walking with Jesus as Jesus was going to Jerusalem to the cross. And he said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus, his answer was basically where I'm going, you can't come yet. Cause he already knew where he was going. Um, but it speaks to me uh, as the lifelong journey that is finances. 
it used to be like, even at my old company, it was based kind of on relationship loosely, but it was really predicated on this, this PDF financial plan. And even before PDF, a word document, sort of like a lot of people get their estate plan and they put it up on the shelf and they never go look at it again, or they never touch it. For me, everything starts with the relationship. I don't have asset minimums. I don't, ideal client is somebody who wants help is willing to pay for help and will do the work that they need to do. That's really the ideal client for me. So Gladys comes out of that lifelong journey we call financial planning and the relationship. Have you ever run into a client that you didn't feel you could help that you've had to say it's not really a good fit for you? And how does that, how does that work? For me, uh, I can tell usually within the first couple of minutes, uh, I met a guy, but he has a degree in the psychology of communications. Fascinating guy. And one of the things he taught in one of the classes that I went to with him was that trust happens chemically and it happens within the first couple of minutes. Somebody knows they're going to trust you in the first couple of minutes. So when I teach other advisors, I tell them, I said, don't even talk about product until you've actually done a data gathering or anything like that. Because if you start talking about you or your product before you even know your client, you're already done. So similarly, and I even tell clients this, you know, when they're interviewing me and all their stuff, I said, so I have a hint for you. I'm also interviewing you. Kind of a la Nick Murray. You don't let somebody on the arc that you don't want on the arc that's going to be a pain. So yeah, I've had to disengage a few times. Not anything like adversarial or anything like that, but there were people that were just like a lot of people want, I've had quite a few recently uh, that want me to trade stocks. And that's not part of my business model. It's like, no, I'm too busy because, and I tell them I focus on relationship. If I was going to be a stockbroker, I wouldn't be relationship guy. I'd be up at three o'clock in the morning to watch the market with a thing over my head. And all I'd be doing is on my computer trading stocks, not me. So, and, and people can tell when it's not a good fit for them too, most of the time. So no problem letting somebody go. Don't have to fight for everyone because there's always somebody else. Talk about your, your company and what you've surrounded yourself with. What does it look like? If I'm a client and I'm coming in, what, what do I see? Who do I see? How does it work? So we're changing quite a bit. We're moving more towards uh, automation with uh, Shanna Tingem's husband, who's a wizard. Eric's been helping us. We're looking, we're moving to a different CRM. We're automating uh, things like that. First meeting is always with me. Uh, I'll do it on Zoom or in person. I've been using Zoom since long before because I have clients in 30 states. With Dave Ramsey, I'm, I have the island of Oahu and I have Kauai, which is the westernmost island. And so I have clients on Kauai that I've never actually physically sat in front of yet. I've been hired, but never uh, sat in front of them. So um, it's more conversational than anything else. I'm not hitting people over the head with a bunch of jargon right away, just really trying to find out about them. I want to know what makes them tick, what's going on for them, uh, things like that. And then online onboarding now, which clients seem to really respond to that pretty well. But it's super relational. They meet with me. I have two assistants. I just hired a Marine. He's, he got out of the Marine Corps. Uh, he's my CFO, my CIO, and he's going to become an advisor. And so the cool thing about Caleb, one, he's really, really smart. But two, he's not going to come with any preconceived notions about another business. Uh, which is kind of rare in our industry, right? Most of the people that come to Cambridge have a business or have been an advisor somewhere else, sort of like me. I was ready for something different. God called me away. Uh, thankfully, I had Fred and Parker and Monty out there because I worked with them at First Command. And they, you know, they were really very super helpful. And I'm so, I'm, and I thank 
God every day for all that because I'm at Cambridge now and, and it's just wonderful. It's not always, you know, unicorns and rainbows and that kind of stuff, but by and large, it's, it's outstanding. Life usually is not, right? Yep. I get calls from these other these other guys trying to recruit me to their broker dealer. And I said, dude, you should be working for Cambridge. That's exactly what I tell them. I said, you should be recruiting for Cambridge because you'd have a much easier time. And they say, well, what's so great? And I said, you don't have time, but I'll tell you a few things. And when I tell them that the three lady, three or four or five ladies that answer the phone, every time you call, they're going, no way. I said, call the number. I give them the number. I said, call them. <laughs> you'll, get a, you'll get a human that answers your phone every time. I'm sure you maybe have heard this story. I don't know, Eric and I tell it now and then, and you've been with us for a while, so you may have heard it, but um, best thing ever was shortly after I started working with Eric, maybe 20 years ago, we upgraded our phone system and the, the company came in and they were adamant that we needed to get rid of the humans, right? A phone, the efficient way of running a phone system 20 years ago even was getting rid of the humans. And I said, that's just not who we are. And here we are. Uh, 20 years later, still counting very much on humans. And I think that's something that I value. One, because I know somebody's always going to pick up the phone, but it also gets back to all the things, all the Cambridge core values, especially like Eric saying, let's do something wonderful. How awesome is it? Is And, and I tell the ladies, I talk to the ladies on the phone and it's like, you know, we talk about you guys all the time. Yeah, they get high scores in our surveys all the time. That's for sure. Well, thank you for uh, acknowledging that. So let's go back. You, I think you told me you have clients in 30 different states, including Hawaii. How does the time zone work for you? How does, how does that, are you up at all hours of whatever and work on the clients? It's 5.14 in the morning in Hawaii right now. So yeah, I've gotten up at, I've gotten up, even in Hawaii, I had a lady who uh, didn't really understand computers that well, although she was a, an MRI technician at the military hospital here. And uh, she needed help with something on the computer. And she says, Andy, I don't know when I'm going to do it. I work at 4.30. And I said, well, what time do you get to work? She goes, 4. I said, well, can I call you at 4? And she's like, you'll call me at 4 a.m. And I was like, yeah. And she said, seriously. And I went, yeah, I can go back upstairs and go to bed. I work in my house. So, uh, yeah. So we work the time zone. Caleb's doing it now. He lives in Tennessee and he's coaching clients here. He's a budget coach. Um, so he's coaching clients here. So he's doing kind of the same thing in reverse. Um, so yeah, that's never been an, never been an issue for me. I'm an early riser anyway. I'm usually out by nine, uh, and in the office between four and five. I think I, what you're describing is really another example of meeting your clients where they are instead of trying to force them into a, a box and both models can work, but I do think customization and specialization for the clients is what's going to win the day. Yep. Because I have clients in Okinawa, which is five hours behind us tomorrow. And then I've got clients in Germany and Europe who are 12 hours ahead of us. So I've had meetings at nine o'clock at night. Good thing Outlook gives you at least the ability to put three different time zones on your calendar. <laughs> I don't know how you keep track of yep. it. So you're also a member of our Technology Advisory Council here at Cambridge. And you've already talked a little bit about how important automation is. So it's good that we have you as one of our council members. For those less familiar with the council, the goal is to incorporate the voice of the financial professionals into our strategic technology planning. We're not arrogant enough to believe that we know it all. We build it, but our clients design it. So share with us a little more about your role in the council, why you joined, why it's important, and what you've learned. I joined because I love technology. I'm an early adopter for everything. I just want to kind of help non-advisors have a perspective 
and say, look, these are the things we deal with on the ground, you know, all the time. I have friends that are advisors that, that don't do a ton of business. So they really don't get it when we're talking about, Hey, I'm going to be able to open up 10 accounts pretty soon with new click. And it's like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. And they're like, when are you ever going to open that many accounts for somebody? And it's like, pretty frequently I do four or five. My average is about four per client. And now with one DocuSign envelope and all that other stuff, I can't wait for that stuff to come. So for me, it's helping the, the tech guys see things from an advisor perspective. I get on Zoom with those guys every once in a while and show them something that's going on just so they can see it. And then I kind of ask some of the, 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 why is this way questions? Like, why do I have to get kicked off and click every 30 minutes or whatever? And they have a good answer for it. As long as it's a good answer, then okay. I can deal with it, but I like that, like the tech team, uh, we have these every other week meetings now and they're just kind of getting the pulse of what's going on and things like that. They're willing to listen. I don't really think of it from the perspective of I'm having this huge impact on all of Cambridge. Um, it's more just, I like having those guys see it from an advisor's perspective more than anything else. Which really does have a big impact on Cambridge. Cambridge tends to attract fiercely entrepreneurial, independent financial professionals based on our culture and core values. And that leads to needing to hear a lot of voices because everybody's different. So thank you for investing the time. I think that's what sets Cambridge apart too, is they like that fiercely independent. That I like the fiercely word because we're, gonna, we're passionate and we're going to fight for what we want or what we think is right. And at least knowing that People even at your level, because um, a lot of companies don't ever get to the CEO for this kind of stuff, but people at your level at Cambridge are willing to at least listen to it. Yes. But at least I know somebody's listening and going, okay, we'll take a look at that. And if we can't, because that's the other thing about Cambridge that I learned very early on. The answer is always yes first, not no. We'll say yes. We'll find a way to say yes. And if we can't, then we can't. But we're always looking for the yes answer. And that's hugely different from my experience. And also many other advisors that I've talked to, they're not used to that. Glad to hear it's still happening. So your bio talked a little bit about early in your military career, you learned a profound life lesson from a supervisor. What was that? Share that with our listeners and how it continues to serve you and your clients today. So I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of backstory on that. Um, from my perspective, attitude's everything. It's everything. If you wake up one day and you're going to have a bad day, that's your choice. It's all about choice. Somebody offends you, that's a choice you've made. So it is, it's all about attitude. So in my career in the military, I would get people all the time that go, I hate this place. I hate this place. There's nothing to do. I was stationed in Germany of all places and people were like, there's nothing to do. And I'm going, get off the base, that kind of stuff. So to me, it's all about attitude. So I always, I never had a bad assignment. Never, not one. And I had a great career. This one supervisor, though, for two years in one of one of the better jobs I ever had as far as career and the people I worked with and things like that. He just had it for me. He wanted me out of the Air Force. I was still kind of a cocky guy probably back then, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, but he was horrible at leadership, not just me, with the other people in the office, too. We were junior NCOs at the time. Uh, he was a senior NCO. He was responsible for all of us. We were working for the command team, which was a four-star, a three-star, a two-star general, and then a very senior political advisor in Germany. And we did all the admin support for all these guys, and he made life just totally miserable for two years. And the lesson I took 
which I never expected to take this lesson while I was in it. But when I got out of it, it was now I know how not to do anything related to leadership from that guy. And they always say it always works out in the end. He got forced to retire later in an assignment because he hadn't changed. And he worked for a general officer that just wasn't going to put up with it. And he got forced to retire early. But um, it was just how not to do things when you're talking to people and lead and all that, like praise in public, counsel in private. And I've always carried that guy in my mind, especially when I find myself getting kind of like heated when something didn't go right with a troop or whatever. And I had to just kind of think about that. And I would just say this guy's name in my mind. And then I would go, okay, check for a second. Okay. It's not the end of the world. We'll get through it and then go. So yeah, it's kind of a weird, weird way to learn a very profound lesson, but it was profound nonetheless. I don't think it's weird at all. I also come from the school of thought that knowing what not to do or how not to act or, you know, pick, pick any version of that um, is almost more important than not learning those lessons. I think so too. Cause I can, you can read all the books on great leadership technique of that, but until you experience a really horrible leader, that's the lesson, I think. And I'd do it all again. I would do it all again. I wouldn't trade any of it because it's been so valuable, both in my personal and professional life. Talk about your personal life. Who surrounds you? Um, so I'm married. My wonderful wife, I met on my second to last assignment in Korea. She's in charge of everything. She knows she is. I like to act like I am, but I'm not. And then I have a 22-year-old daughter who is totally awesome. She's at Creighton University right now, finishing up a uh, nursing degree. They're really why I do most of everything that I do. I've been called by God to do this, so that makes me kind of passionate too. But taking care of them and serving them uh, the way I should really gets me up every day, keeps me going, keeps me working on Saturdays when I don't feel like working on Saturday sometimes and, and stuff like that. So they're great. I got a lot of great friends. All my clients are friends. They're friends first. Uh, they don't start that way, but they typically end up that way. And so it's really that it's, it's, and then helping my team. Cause now Caleb's going to come into this business. Eventually he's probably, if it all works out, he's probably going to take this thing over. So my role is really to prepare him to get him ready. And he's going to take the SIE this year, I think before the end of the year and eventually maybe take this thing over. So. And preparing your clients. Do you have those kind of conversations with the clients yet? Already? Sure. Sure. As soon as I hired him, I started talking to clients, um, explain kind of what his role is now, how I envision the future. Because one of the number one questions I get asked because I'm a solo and it's it used to surprise me that so many people would ask is what happens when, when you're gone? Right. Or what happens when you retire? And I said, well, I can fix the retirement thing. I'm putting money away for retirement. I don't have a plan to stop. And part of that's my faith because God's called me to this. So I say God gets to tell me when I'm done. And I hope it's when I breathe, I even tell my clients, we like to joke, you have to have fun. You got to be able to have fun and laugh at yourself with, with me as your financial advisor. But, and then I was talking to Caleb when we were first starting all of this. And I said, so the good news is I'm going to be around for a while because I don't plan to stop. I hope I'm doing this 20 years from now. So you'll be able to learn. And I give him a ton of hard time because he's a Marine and I'm an Air Force guy. So we know I'm smarter and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, well, what's the bad news? I said, bad news is I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> You might be smarter, so, but does he think he's tougher? Oh, yeah. He knows he is. <laughs> and he's, pro he's probably smarter than me, too. So, uh, 
I'm okay admitting it because I'm the smart one leveraging everything that he's doing because he's he's also kind of like Eric. He's pretty really, really good with the technology stuff and running that stuff to ground and, and all that other stuff. So it's been a great short partnership already. And I think it's only going to get better. That's really awesome. Where did you find him? How, did, how were you introduced to his uh, he So he was my, I think he was, if he wasn't my first, he was my second SmartVestor Pro client. So they hired me and then he said, you know, the way his career was going, it was a funky thing because he was in a, he was in an airplane. He was working in an airplane as a, a systems officer. And then the Marine Corps stopped using that plane. They just retired that plane from the inventory. So he didn't really have a flying job. So that's how he came to Hawaii. He was in a staff job. And then that kind of screwed up his career a little bit. Uh, so the writing was on the wall. So he decided to separate. So as he was nearing that, he came to me and he said, hey, I think I might want to do this for a living down the road. Can I just start coming one day a week uh, and sitting in and just watching you do what you do? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I love teaching new advisors, mentoring, you know, all that other stuff. And at the time, we had no plan for him uh, to come and take over or join the business or anything else. And it just it grew into that over time. Matter of fact, he's a budget wizard. So he said, hey, can I take over doing the budget? And I was like, I don't know if there is a specific budget, but if you want to build one, go for it. And he did. And he did a great job. And so he gave me the first budget presentation. And by now, we're actually talking about him coming on. And I said, well, I don't think I can afford it. Right. So he builds this really wicked budget. And right on there is a, a line item with him and, and how much he wants every month. And I'm going, I'm not paying you that. He goes, sometimes you have to afford things before you can afford them. And one of the guest speakers at Cambridge during Leaders Club this, this last time, she talked about that. She said, you got to bring on staff before you can afford them. And I was like, see, now he is smarter than me. Um, but he came through the military has this program now called Skillbridge. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have not. Where somebody can get like Caleb did. He wants to be a financial advisor. There are major companies that are in the Skillbridge program as well. Um, we just did a local approval. But what it does is if, if a company is willing to bring somebody on in an internship unpaid, the last 180 military persons active duty this becomes their place of duty and they get to keep their so caleb kept his marine corps pay he kept all of that stuff and he came to work for me for his last 180 days i have a client in skillbridge right now who moved back home to kansas uh he's working in a manufacturing plant and they're shocked he's like have you ever heard of skillbridge it's like yep sure have as a matter of fact caleb came to me through that and they're like you know, they're kind of shocked. So it's a great program. It's a great internship program. I made a note. I'm going to look into it. My, uh, my daughter actually works for Arizona State University and she's, um, she almost entered the military. She would have commissioned in, but life got in the way or whatever, but she still does a lot of counseling with veterans who are trying to figure out what to do next. And I bet she knows about it as well. So she could kind of partner with us maybe to figure out how to get involved. It sounds really fascinating. It could be a new version of our next step program. I learned something on every one of these podcasts uh, that helps our make helps us make our business better. So thank you for that. Good, I'm glad. Um, well, that's a great segue. So let's talk a little bit about we're here to celebrate Veterans Day. What does that mean to you and your clients? So a, a good majority of my clients are still military or retired, most military. Uh, retired and that. I think for me, Veterans Day is a chance to just reflect on all those who have served. People always get Memorial Day and Veterans Day confused. Um, so Veterans Day is kind of a celebration when you think about 
those you served with, um, the experiences, things like that. Uh, for me, it's a reflection on what it means to serve my country. And I'm not one of those guys that, you know, I didn't join the military because I wanted to serve my country and go, hoo, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. I didn't really have any plans. No college. I graduated high school. My dad said, look, dude, you're 18. You got to go. Uh, so I joined the Air Force and I signed up for four years and I was going four years and I'm out of here. And then I woke up 26 years later, retiring from a great career uh, with a lot of really cool highlights in it and things like that. Like I met Whitney Houston singing the, at the, Super, the uh, national anthem at the Super Bowl because I was carrying the flags, uh, stuff like that. But it really does. I reflect on what it means to serve this great country, uh, what it meant to me. I love it when people say, well, thank you for your service. And I always tell them, hey, it was my honor to serve. It wasn't, you know, anything other than that, really. And I think the military is a great place for young kids that don't know what they want. It's a great because they're going to get a four-year education paid for if they just successfully do a four-year career, uh, learn to trade, learn all the things I learned. I'd be a total wreck had it not been for those guys in the Air Force because I was just, I was just out there. Just, you know, a young, dumb 18-year-old kid that thought he was smarter than everybody else. And now I am. No. <laughs> uh, but but it really is it's just it's just connecting i like to to connect with a lot of my military clients around veterans day uh and things like that partially to just you know thank them for their service it's kind of interesting a lot of military people don't do that thank you for your service to each other it's the active guys that'll say like if i go to the, the military base or whatever and i show my id card they go oh well thank you for your service and i go it was an honor to serve and they kind of look at you but among fellow military like retirees and veterans i don't think we ever say that to each other at least not that i've experienced i think it's just a given you know you served your brothers in arms uh, and sisters in arms and things like that and i think it's it's just that it is lifelong relationships stuff like that just reflecting on what it means to serve and, and the relationships and all the great assignments and things like that Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing. So last but not least, one of the big challenges to getting young people, and, and I'm glad you're doing your part to change this, interested in our business is really a little bit different perspective about the amount of time that they'd like to have free versus working and lots of different things that could be called, but that balance that often people are looking for. So you talked a little bit about your family and your personal life, but what are you, what are your hobbies? What do you guys actually do in your free time? I will say to the younger advisor, if you're going to build a successful business, you've got to put everything into it. Now, I never worked on Sundays. I remember when I first started at the other company, I didn't work the first few Saturdays. And the, the guy that was in charge called me one Saturday morning and he goes, what's up, Andrew? He always called me Andrew. He goes, what's up, Andrew? What are you doing? I said, well, I'm just working around the house and that kind of stuff. And he goes, don't you think you'd be doing better in here? working for your clients or finding new clients. He was real sales focused, right? And I went, yep. And he goes, I'll see you next Saturday then, right? And I was like, yep. And then I pretty much started working Saturday. But then you find out Saturday is one of your better days, right? Because your clients are not working and stuff like that. But it takes a lot of work. If you're if you really want to be successful uh, or if you're passionate, it's not work. It's not work when you're it's not work when you're passionate. But I think in the beginning, you really have to, and I, and I know some guys that are very young advisors that are very successful that take four weeks off a year. That's not me. You know, my daughter's out of the house. My wife's got her career and kind of focused on that kind of stuff. A lot of my friends would give me a hard time because I don't remember the last time I took an actual vacation vacation. Everybody that knows me knows that this is my life really. And I know some people go, well, dude, that's stupid. And it's like, no, because all the, the people I get to help and talk to, they're all my friends. I get to hang out with my friends. Now, when I'm not seeing clients, I love to read. 
Now we're in football season. I'm a diehard Bengals fan. College football, racing. I got hooked on Formula One in, in Europe when I was stationed there. So that, that's, And I serve at church on the weekends quite frequently too. So so you're not just a workaholic. It's, it's coming no. out. We can, we can hear that yep. you've got other things you're passionate about. A little bit. Is, yep. Which yep. is awesome. But again, you know, if a client says, hey, I need to see you and um, I'm, can I see you at seven o'clock tonight? It's like, yeah. Well, like, like we said earlier, meeting them where they come, where they need you to be. That's important. I appreciate having you here today. I know our audience will get some of those lessons from you for sure. And thank you for being Cambridge Stronger. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. Stronger.